This is Eric Corey, and I'd first like to give proper attribution to the Talking Heads lyrics said inspire this podcast, same as it ever was. Because when it comes to the human condition and human interactions and human yearnings, it truly is same as it ever was. See, I don't believe there's anything new under the sun of the human condition. And in the thousands of years that we have of recorded history, we can all look back and see the same human beings doing the same thing to each other over the centuries. I know we like to see ourselves at this technologically advanced society on the cutting edge of human thinking and that everything we say and everything we do now is so new and groundbreaking. And while technology has been accelerating exponentially past us at an astounding rate in just one short lifetime, us humans, well, we're still human. We haven't changed much at all. We're the same beast with the same intentions and desires and motivations that moved all of our ancestors as far back as you care to look. We have the same basic instincts as our caveman brethren. Food, shelter, procreation, security, they all remain our top priorities. And just because those things have become more easily obtainable than when we had to hunt for our own food or build our own shelters out of sticks and straw, that doesn't mean that we have evolved on pace with our own technological advancements. It's not even close. And how can you not, at the same time as we marvel at our advancements in things like artificial intelligence and space travel and medicine and chemistry, while simultaneously cringing at the vicious way we treat each other, as we all try to be right all the time? Our barbaric lust for control and, and power by both government and the private sector cabals is evidenced by how we can so easily throw aside any semblance of civility in that pursuit. There is nothing technologically advanced about the way people deal with each other today. The loud voices threatening violence and shame against our enemies is the discourse of the day. The only difference now is that we can see it all occur in real time from every corner of the world from the comfort of our cell phone. But that doesn't mean this is the first time all this is happening. It just means we are all seeing it all in real time, all the time. It's not worse now than it ever was before. It's only because we are able to so easily see it all that it looks like the numbers are up on all of the deviant activity perpetrated by humans against other humans. The fact that we see more of it than ever before is because our devices are filled with countless news and information organizations that need content. And they mine for that content all the time, even if it's irrelevant. Just as long as it's deviant or disorderly or shocking or disgusting because, well, that's what we want to see. Humans are the same as they ever were. And just because we can see it all the time doesn't make it more prevalent. I can promise you, the brutal way we treat each other today is tame in comparison to the level of brutality of the past. All the brutality that we can never see before. So it would be helpful if all of us could just get our minds around that basic truth and stop acting like we're all doing things in our time for the first time in the history of mankind. History is replete with cultures and civilizations and governments rising and falling to similar patterns. And the depravity and dishonesty and destruction that is so much part of our world today has always been part of the human experience. So maybe this would be a good time to take the time to read up on all that stuff. And maybe just try to not do it over again. Maybe like learn from our past so that we can improve our future. So the best example I can give for this claim is by going back a couple thousand years to the early attempts at enlightenment. When first the Greeks and, and then the Romans attempted to form governments that were fair whatever that could mean. So they started this thing called democracy, where the people would rule themselves, or more accurately, rules were set up to allow the common people to have a say in the world around them, instead of being ruled by the guy with the biggest army, as it had been done since the beginning. 
Certainly there were other attempts at moving the evolution of man forward from the thousands of years of clubs and stones and bows and arrows to persuasion and honesty and that ever-elusive fairness thing. Righteous work, to be sure, and history will show that these efforts were indeed started with the best of intentions, only to be doomed by that basic human instinct thing. And for any of you who will take the effort to read the histories of these well-meaning attempts at basic democracy, you will find that what happened then, how they rose and how they fell, is not only kind of like what's happening now, it's exactly like what's happening now. And this latest attempt at democracy, which we hear in the United States of America, tweaked in the form of a representative republic based on a constitutional document. Now, this experiment in government is following the same path as the rise and the fall of the Greek and Romans' attempts at similar evolutionary advancements. Now, these are not the only times in history when such enlightenment was attempted. But these are just two of the best examples I can give in my 15-minute podcast. Many ancient cultures, far back as you want to see, made various attempts at forming civil civilizations. It's just that the Greek and the Roman attempts are the most well-documented and give us the best mirror in which to see ourselves. Before making this point, please allow me to preface my coming statements of fact. You know, my natural inclination is to simplify the complicated because complicating things only serves to distort basic facts and, and it blinds the listener with the fog of intellectual nuance. See, I choose instead to keep it simple with the generally speaking statements of facts that should render the nitpickers just that, nitpickers. So let me start with Greece. Now, from somewhere around the 10th century BC, the Greeks began a great awakening of sophistication. They made advancements in science and philosophy, culture, theater, and the arts. Much of this thinking we still hold as truisms today. And so too were its attempts at self-governance, creating city-states that would remain independent from a central point of control. Now, two of the more dominant of these city-states created in Greece during this intellectual revolution were Sparta and Athens. And generally speaking, Sparta was a militaristic state with strong nationalistic leanings, while Athens was a center of liberal intellect and philosophy. According to most historical accounts, the decline of Greece began with the growing conflict between these two schools of thought. I mean, not only actual warring, but constant conflicts to these two points of view. Class warfare was used to foment this division that led to the rise of discourse between the rich and the poor, all in the name of reinforcing one side against the other. There were battles about maintaining the traditional Greek culture versus expanding thought to allow influences of other non-Greek cultures to expand. National pride took a backseat to the enlightened thinking, which created a disloyalty to the motherland, all of which lends the historic truth to the adage that a house divided cannot stand. And in this case, their divided house could not stand against the rise of the power of the Roman juggernaut that would eventually lead to their ultimate destruction. Now, the rise and the fall of the Roman Empire, well, that provides an even greater parallel to what is happening here in America today. It was a great country whose military dominance propelled them to the top of the evolutionary food chain for nearly 600 consecutive years. This once great ruler of the known world would eventually collapse under the weight of its own human failings. Familiar-sounding reasons like infighting, corruption, incompetence, crippling tax rates due to overspending, Inflation, trade disparities, social unrest between the rich and the poor, the dark and the light-skinned peoples, and the rise of a ruling class. A functioning democracy that turned into a dictatorship because it was unable to secure its borders and fight off the rise of the eastern powers. Now, if we are anywhere near the enlightened, technologically advanced people we protest to be, how then can we ignore these undeniable truths and learn anything from the historic record? 
I mean, this is not just history. It's science, basic cause and effect. Documented, historic data derived from thousands of years of human events from which we should all learn. There is not a single thing that separates us from the people of Greece and Rome, except for the advancements in technology that actually give us all we need to prevent a similar catastrophe. We have thousands of years of data that we can choose to act upon or ignore. Now, we can choose to remain barbarians caught up in our own lust and greed, or we can rise to the level of our intellectual success and abandon those human instincts that only serve to stifle our inevitable evolution. You see, we stand at the threshold of such advancements. The only thing we need now is to create a collection of intellectually honest people to take that next step. It seems that all my podcasts evolved to this common denominator. Are we all in it for ourselves? Or can we find a way to rise above our primal instincts and evolve? Now, to do so, you, we, we all have to put aside our selfish yearnings and the need to be right all the time. To do something unselfish for a greater good and realize the fullness of our potential. Now, imagine how setting such an example would lead all of the world, not only embracing our technological advancements, but our moral, uh, financial, and our intellectual advancements should we choose to embrace them. While all this may sound like a tall order, I have no doubt that the vast majority of Americans agree. It's those who now hold power and control who must be convinced, and that seems like an impossible task. But it can be done. It just takes a lot of hard work. Work that those of us who are now working two jobs while raising a family or just trying to make ends meet have little time for. But the ironic part of it all is that if we were to take that next step, the resulting rising tide would unleash a tsunami of prosperity that would raise the standard of living for everyone, especially those currently with the least. That opportunity is locked up by those who refuse to relinquish that power and the blinded lemmings who listen to them. Which all brings me back to the very beginning, when a bunch of historians with a true desire to move the human evolution forward and the money to do so came together. They came together to correct the mistakes of Greeks and the Romans and craft a form of government that would not only grant freedom and liberty to the masses, but also would avoid the known pitfalls of the past. See, the United States of America was started with the intention of having, above all, limited government. That was the key to the plan for long-term success and prosperity, and the proof of their genius is all around us. No way they could have predicted this level of human success and advancement, but it happened. And it all happened because of limited government, free markets, and the free expression of religion and speech. Now, how we got here today is not the failure of the people who established this representative republic. It's in the failure of the people charged with preserving it perhaps the most famous, but certainly the most prophetic of all Benjamin Franklin quotes, was when he was asked by a Philadelphia socialite at some swanky affair to celebrate the signing of the Constitution. She asked, well, doctor, what have we got, a republic or a monarchy? His answer was, a republic, if you can keep it. You see, Franklin knew that this government can only survive through the tireless work of the people who would benefit the most, which is everybody. And now, after centuries of reaping the rewards of their genius, it's hard for me to understand how anyone would want to ignore its basic tenets and turn them upside down. That's just me. And, and the thing is, I know there are a lot of people like me, reasonable, hardworking people who make this American machine run. Sure, we have our differences of opinion, but we also have a shared responsibility to preserve the republic. I used to be able to call it patriotism, but that term has been branded as a bad thing. I'm not sure why why someone feels threatened by the concept of national pride or threatened by the hope to form prosperous alliances or threatened by people who wish to strengthen our mutual security and national unity. 
You see, those loud voices are clearly in the minority, but we act like they run the show. I mean, if not for the threats of shame and litigation, there would be no need to placate them at all. Yet so much of the corporate world bows to their nuanced worldview that lacks validity, all because of the threat of retribution in the form of shame. That's the one thing the people who created this form of government did not foresee, that minority opinions would run roughshod over supermajorities that would grow too sheepish to speak up. See, there was no lack of courage or conviction of purpose for the people who would stand up to the world's largest army in order to form a more free, enlightened, and civil society. But it was beyond their ability to contemplate the level of success their experiment would eventually achieve, and equally beyond their ability to comprehend or predict the level of complacency that would follow. You see, it wasn't because they failed to understand the human condition. It's that very understanding that moved them to construct a system of checks and balances and build in a fail-safe mechanism to avoid the predictable human failings that brought down the Greek and the Roman empires. They knew we would fail due to the same human weaknesses that doomed these past attempts at self-governance. And that's the good news. You see, we are not destined to fail as these previous attempts failed. The proof of the genius of these great historians is embedded within our constitutional construction with the mechanism to turn around the predictable self-destructive tendencies of human stupidity. See, it's all in the Constitution. The only thing missing is the participation of the masses. And I can promise you, as you look around the world around us and say, things are worse now than they ever were, well, you're wrong. They're the same as they ever were. The only difference now is that we have, in our constitutionally protected power, the ability to correct it all on a single day. And all you need to do is understand the process of making that happen and stop letting the loud voices of ignorant minority distract you from your civic duty and protect that which has given us so much, so fast for so long. This form of limited government depends on the participation of the population as a whole. It cannot survive without it. And, and we can't allow small minorities with differing priorities to distract us from enforcing our constitutionally given rights to preserve this republic. Because without that, we cannot keep it. This is Eric Corey.